Hello and welcome to Skynet Today's Let's Talk AI podcast, where you can hear from AI researchers about what's actually going on with AI and what is just clickbait headlines. I am Andrei Krenkov, a third-year PhD student at the Stanford Vision and Learning Lab. I focus mostly on learning algorithms for robotic manipulation in my research. And with me is my co-host. I'm Sharon, a third-year PhD student in the machine learning group working with Andrew Ng. I do research on generative models, improving generalization of neural networks, and applying machine learning to tackling the climate crisis. And uh, Sharon, I believe you just actually submitted a paper to NeurIPS this past week, which you mentioned you were working on before. So I hope that went well and you've been recuperating. Yes, it's been a roller coaster to say the least. And I, uh, it, it's hard to slow down the momentum once you've, once you've been going for so long, um, probably for the past month, very little sleep. Uh, but uh, yes, I did get my, my papers in. I had about, I think I had three actually this time. Free. Wow, that's. I usually try for one <laughs> given deadline, so uh, that is commendable. There, there was. It's mainly one. <laughs> but speaking of NeurIPS, our first article has to do with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement um, and how NeurIPS responded to that, which um, I think was uh, commendable. Um, so the article is AI conference NeurIPS extends paper submission deadline amid. BLM protests. And so at a high level, the deadline for submitting papers to this AI mega conference called NeurIPS has been extended by 48 hours uh, by the committee. And this was to give people affected by the ongoing protests in the U.S. more time to finish off their work. And of course, outside of the U.S. too, there have been many protests as well. And so in its announcement of the extension, the NeurIPS board said, today NeurIPS grieves for its black community members devastated by the cycle of police and vigilante violence. Today, NeurIPS mourns for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Regis Korczynski-Paquet, and thousands of black people who have lost their lives to this violence. Today, NeurIPS stands with this black community to affirm that today and every day, black lives matter. And so in a further demonstration of their uh, support, researchers Aaron Grant and Nicholas LaRue have created a list of AI mentors that black people working on papers can actually contact for advice before the NeurIPS deadline. And for every person giving help, both LaRue and Google AI chief Jeff Dean have pledged to donate $1,000 to the black and AI group. Yes, so both the extension and the statement and some of these additional initiatives from my researchers, I think, have been really good to see. And uh, in some ways, the you know the ongoing protests and issues in the U.S. are a bit separate from AI, but they are so for people who maybe are not in the U.S., it's hard to understand, but. Uh, if you are a minority or if you know people or if you just live in American cities, it's impossible not to be impacted by what's happening right now. And it's taking a heavy psychological toll on many people. And so the extension was a welcome reflection of that. The statement, I think, was a welcome reflection of that. And um, yeah, this offer of support was also uh, 
quite welcome. And I would imagine, Sharon, that you also found this to be a welcome surprise or uh, a welcome gesture. Yes, definitely. I think this uh, this mainly is to alleviate some some of the essentially disproportionate uh, inequity that does occur if some kind of event like this is going on. It would impact um, those who are black to, from submitting, right? So, I think I think this was a good move from Nurup's part, um, and it also enabled people uh, like me who are not black but support BLM. Uh, to spend some time protesting. Yes, and uh, again, I guess to to make it clear, it's just so hard to focus. As you said, you have to be really head down working on your paper to finish it. And uh, it's it seems very hard to focus on these things while protests are going on and uh, things are going on. So it, it was good to see this extension. And in fact, another conference titled uh, EMNLP, which is a huge conference as well, also extended by a few days. Yeah, so this is, I think, a welcome uh, sign that AI as a community is able to handle these issues to address them head on. Uh, and it uh, follows a trend, actually, of trying to diversify the community, trying to be more inclusive, trying to help minorities be uh, more seen and have their see- uh, work more represented. Uh, there are actual organizations like Black and AI that are specifically tackling uh, the difficulty for minorities and Black people to do well in this community. So hopefully this is just another sign that that efforts that need to happen uh, for black representation and opportunity within AI and within society uh, more broadly uh, are being made. And uh, on that note, we can move on to our next article, which is on the same topic. Uh, and it's titled, The AI Community Says Black Lives Matter, But More Work Needs to Be Done. And this was in Venture Beat. So this article also covered the New Europe's deadline extension and the uh, statement that was made, uh, but it also goes into a little more detail on the state of the field of AI and its diversity issues. So uh, to quote from it, it says that for the AI community, uh, acknowledgement of a movement is a start, but research shows that it, much like the rest of the tech industry, continues to suffer from a lack of diversity. According to a survey published by New York University's AI Now Institute, as of April 2019, only 2.5% of Google's workforce was black, while Facebook and Microsoft were each at 4%. Uh, In addition to that, AI has some pretty specific issues uh, to deal with with regards to representation. So... Uh, For instance, a National Institute of Standards and Technology study last September found that facial recognition systems misidentify black people more often than white people. So as we build out new technology based on AI, uh, we risk perpetuating historical biases against black people and essentially serving white people better than black people and other minorities. So uh, to tackle that, AI Now Institute has proposed that the AI community needs greater transparency with respect to salaries and compensation, needs harassment and discrimination reports, and needs to have, again, more uh, transparency around hiring practices. 
Uh, and others are also calling for targeted recruitment to increase employee diversity and commitments to bolster the number of people of color, women, and other underrepresented groups of leadership at AI companies. I think this is all fine and good. I would love to see it actually happen and be implemented. I, having been in the Bay Area for several years now, about four years now, uh, I haven't seen that many um, Black black people in tech, to be honest. Uh, and it sucks. Like, <laughs> I'd rather see much more diversity. I guess diversity in many different ways. Um, and tech, I... I sense has a little bit of a uh, monoculture going on. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's obviously complicated and it's hard to make change on a societal basis, but it is also true that there is an underrepresentation of Black people and other minorities, of course, and uh, saying things is not as effective as actually trying to do something. Actually, um, it, it struck me that uh, when we were talking about this in our lab meeting, our lab is fairly big, but um, there is the underrepresentation even just in that small group. Of, there's not that many black people among us. So um, I guess uh, the silver lining is this is reminding us to pay attention and actually try to do something uh, and I've also seen a lot of other prominent AI researchers express uh, support and caring in the last uh, week or two uh, via Twitter. So, uh, of course, it's a stressful and rather emotionally fraught time, but hopefully through it, we can uh, actually lead to, to improvement. I've seen a lot of solidarity in the community, and I've also seen several AI leaders come forth with their opinions and, and stated stated um, essentially publicly. And that's been really compelling. One is definitely from Andrew Ng, my advisor, and the other is uh, from Yashua Bengio that I've seen as well. Uh, and I'm sure others have too. I, I've not been much on social media due to the nerves deadline, but uh, yeah, I've, I've admired that. And I hope that people realize that this is not something where they necessarily have to, I, I saw something about how this isn't something you necessarily have to be, you know, all professional about because I guess being neighborly and being kind to fellow other human beings should come first. Um, and yeah, so I found that pretty compelling. As did I. Yeah, actually I, I was not submitting, but uh, just reading the statement from Europe's, as a rather professional large uh, conference, it seemed to me a fairly, fairly direct, uh, you know, non, non careful, non sort of uh, PR, very uh, compassionate response, uh, which in one way isn't doing much, but in another way is, is very directly addressing the situation, uh, which uh, was commendable. Um, and so now switching gears a little bit, we are going to talk about an article called Deep Fakes Are Going to Wreak Havoc on Society. We are not prepared. And this was published in Forbes. Uh, so deep fakes are already pretty scary um, and they're enabled by recent advances in AI. 
Uh, so deepfakes essentially allow synthesized videos of all sorts of people, including politicians, uh, but also fake audio recordings, and much more potentially harmful media. And so this amount of content is growing. We're already beginning to see how it could be used for ill purposes. An Indian politician actually used deepfakes as part of his, his campaign, and Donald Trump recently retweeted a deepfake of Joe Biden. The facts that deepfakes are getting better and due to the accessibility of the technology that they can be created by essentially anyone or uh, many more people at least, the stakes are very high. The Brookings Institution summed up the social and political dangers they pose, uh, among them manipulating elections, undermining public safety, and inflicting damage on the reputation of prominent individuals. So as a result, U.S. lawmakers are beginning to pay attention to this, uh, while experts warn that the examples we've already seen of their use are canaries in a coal mine. So how do we actually combat the rise of deep fakes? Well, unfortunately, the legal frameworks that we have now are limited uh, against this anonymous internet that we have, uh, and the most effective short-term solution may have to come from actually the major tech platforms taking steps to limit that spread. Yeah, so to expand on that a little bit, this article is in, in many ways just a great summary on the state of deepfakes, but it also does note uh, that uh, essentially passing laws is a tricky idea here. Uh, for instance, you know, one idea might be to try and legislate so that companies would have to legally uh, work against deepfakes and other damaging and uh, mis mis misinforming content on their sites. But this goes against a long-held kind of legal framework for uh, regulating companies where they essentially are not responsible for content that users post on their platforms. So it's very tricky. And quoting from the article, it says that in the end, no single solution will suffice. An essential first step is simply to increase public awareness of the possibilities and dangers of deepfakes and informed citizenry is a crucial defense against widespread information, um, widespread misinformation. And so as the uh, U.S. presidential election draws near, I think we'll all need to be a little more careful and be wary because there may well be many more deepfakes coming around. Yes, and I think this is actually extremely worrisome right now when people very much believe in the videos that they see or audio recordings that they hear, um, where I think if over time uh, deepfakes are just so widespread that people become almost immune to them or, or at least not immune, but less affected or kind of skeptical of them, much like I think written text, written news is now, um, it might be slightly less concerning, but right now people highly believe some of these things. And so that is, this is probably the most concerning time for deepfakes, which is that transition period. Um, and while these legal frameworks are trying to adjust to this, um, I, I feel like it's only inevitable uh, that uh, deepfakes will essentially become commonplace, um, but hopefully in their becoming of commonplace, people will be dispelled from the illusion that they are uh, indeed real. Yeah, I guess this plays into a larger issue of on social media, especially on something like Twitter, you may see something and read it 
or watch a video and then take that to be accurate and not, you know, edit it to be misleading or in this case, actually just generated by AI to be misleading. And uh, so, as you say, hopefully having this more sophisticated way to trick people will lead to people just double checking the veracity of whatever they stumble upon instead of just trusting it. And uh, that is also what this article is, uh, is kind of pointing out. That being said, people don't really double check some of the news articles they read or rather the news headlines they read. So it's quite possible that this just exacerbates uh, the echo chamber and uh, confirmation bias. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Um, we've had some discussions of this at Stanford with some Stanford professors and so on that I've attended. And uh, one, one part of the solution is to actually have more fact checkers and have newspapers kind of attach, attach, let's say, uh, proof of uh, veracity to various documents, like uh, photographs and so on. So we'll need some sort of bodies that can actually be trusted or else truth is dead. Uh, and hopefully, I guess our journalistic backbone as a society also strengthens in response to these challenges. Uh, but enough of that, uh, I guess we'll see if deepfakes actually do come about more. For now, we're going to turn our attention to the next article, which is titled, Eye-Catching Advances in Some AI Fields Are Not Real. And this is from Science Magazine. And so, like the last article, this is a bit of an overview of something that is the case in the field of AI. In this case, this is an overview of how uh, many times we see kind of big headlines, big results come about that in actuality are maybe much more minor than they seem. So uh, you might hear about a new technique uh, leading to superhuman performance on some game. And though this looks impressive, it uh, doesn't amount to much actual progress. And in fact, existing techniques when used appropriately might be as good or better. Uh, more specifically, uh, this article covers some findings such as that, that uh, 2019 meta-analysis of information retrieval algorithms used in search engines concluded that a high watermark was set in 2009. Another study in 2009 reproduced seven neural network recommendation systems of a kind used by media streaming services and found that six failed to outperform much simpler non-neural algorithms. So broadly speaking, some papers that claim to make advances when you actually tune and use the prior work appropriately, uh, you find that those are just as good or uh, just as good or better. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think what we can even say here. Not much. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, um, out, transition. So we've discussed this a little bit already in the past of how there is a problem or uh, there's not enough real good scientific uh, of how the research methodology used in many AI papers are not quite strong enough. We all rush to publication and so on. Uh, and so this is not particularly surprising and it's important to be aware of as someone outside of AI looking in. Uh, Sharon, I think before when we discussed this, you said uh, you 
saw a lot of papers that uh, seem flimsy and uh, also think that research in industry should be stronger. So I imagine that these uh, meta-analysis papers are not surprising to you. Yeah, it also makes me think about, you know, prior methods that have been largely abandoned or have only been touched on a couple times since because so much focus now is on AI. For example, for example, genetic algorithms, I've wondered where that research line has gone. And I think I've, I've recently spoken to some people who are doing RL who still use genetic algorithms as some kind of baseline, but not a but they're a very basic genetic, genetic algorithm. And I, I know there is work being done merging the two, um, but it, it's just there's very little focus on these prior methods. And I think over time, hopefully, things will come together and we will find something that is maybe hybrid that does succeed. But it's possible that this is hype and it's possible that... Uh, even running the same model on different GPUs, on different machines, will get you different results or a different implementation of the model will vary because it was initialized slightly differently or something. Something that we've uh, found is that uh, the PyTorch um, ResNet 18 is different from, um, I think, the TensorFlow one. And then there's also uh, other implementations that are all different, but they, but they have all the same underlying architecture from the, the ResNet paper. So uh, it's, you know, like it's, it's very arguable what, what we should be trusting um, a, l- a lot of the times here when many things are very empirical. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a little bit funny, I think, um, when you are in AI research and you sort of work on AI research, you actually realize that AI researchers are the most cynical people with regards to AI advancements. Like often when you read a paper, you're a bit skeptical of the precise numbers and everything, and uh, maybe just are curious about the idea. So uh, as an outside observer, it's important to be aware of these things, that there's a lot of tweaking, a lot of parameters, a lot of sort of accidental improvements that may not necessarily hold up. And so... Hopefully, as a field, we are discovering things over time, but it's a messy process. And individual claims and individual advancements should be regarded with uh, healthy skepticism. Yes, I completely agree. And with that, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Skynet Today's Let's Talk AI podcast. You can find the articles we discussed here today and subscribe to our weekly newsletter with similar ones at skynettoday.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave us a rating if you like the show. Be Be sure sure to to tune in in next week. week.